Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. As somebody who studies these things, welcome America. I would advise Taiwan: if communist China attacks you, you attack the mainland of China. Playing defense, you will lose. You're an island. They will encircle your island. They will pound the island. They'll try and control it by air. They'll try and ensure that your weapon systems are not resupplied by the United States or anybody else. They are prepared for war, the communist Chinese. We are not. They have massively increased their offensive capabilities. We have not, particularly in that part of the world. We're too busy chasing former President Trump and debating over how wide open the border should be and whether little boys are actually little girls and whether the word recession actually means recession. We are under Joe Biden and a Democrat Congress, a nation in decline, which is why we must win the next election and win massively. Massively. And we must immediately build up our military, secure our border, support chiefs of police who will lower the hammer, judges who will put people in jail for breaking the law, remove prosecutors who refuse to prosecute, and bring sanity back to this nation. But my advice to the Taiwanese military, the Taiwanese president, the Taiwanese people is go on the offensive. Hit Beijing. They won't expect it. Hit their ports. Do the best you can. I know your Air Force is 
relatively small by comparison. By comparison. Nonetheless, it can't just be an island nation and accept an invasion by air, sea, and eventually troops. You're a nation of less than 30 million people. That's a country 1.4 billion people. One of the reasons Ukraine is having so much difficulty, in my view, is not only have they been denied the kind of long-range missiles and artillery that have been used against them, but they've been told not to hit Russia. I'm not talking about Moscow. I'm talking about Russian military forces relatively close to the border on the Russian side of the border. That is nuts. But more on that either later today or at another time. This administration is now trying to redefine recession as it cannot define women, as it tries to redefine education and everything else. Are we going to go along with this insanity, ladies and gentlemen, this self-aggrandizing, self-promoting BS? We're in a recession right now. I've been telling you this for months. As a matter of fact, we're heading towards stagflation because the same Fed that failed to slowly raise interest rates in the face of the junkies in Congress who spend and spend and spend and spend, both parties, but mostly the Democrat Party, They've brought us this horrendous inflation. And yes, we have a recession. And yes, we're moving into stagflation. You raise interest rates, you sell less stuff. That's the way it works. It's not being offset by tax cuts the way Reagan handled it. Tax cuts. They want to increase taxes. They want to increase debt. They want to increase spending. They want to increase regulations. And at the heart of it is their war on fossil fuels, American energy. Not only will they back, not back off, but they're doubling down, tripling down. They seek to deny you gasoline, oil. They seek to deny you, when the time comes, electricity. We have a, a, diverse, a diverse energy system now based on coal, based on nuclear, based on electric, based on natural gas, based on oil, based on propane, and so forth. The Democrats want to eliminate that diversity. They've already eliminated energy independence. And they want you all relying on electricity. We do not have enough electricity for all of us to rely on electricity for all things. And we never will. Because the Democrats and the Marxists will not allow it. They won't allow it. That's why not on a single news program that talks about climate change or energy prices or any of the rest of it. Do they lay out with any specifics, any blueprint, any, from anybody. A realistic, substantive blueprint that moves us from one to the other. They have none. They can't. Where do solar panels come from? China. Where do these batteries come from? Most of it, the third world and China. Do the batteries create 
All kinds of toxins. After 10 years of use, they blow out. Answer, yes. How do you get the material that is used to make these batteries? Well, you go to places like Africa and you destroy their environment. Because you're going to need a hell of a lot of it. And where else? Well, Afghanistan. I don't think they're going to make it available to us. And where else? Ukraine. It's one of the reasons Russia's trying to take Ukraine. What's it any of our business? And communist China. Unfortunately, most of it isn't in Britain or France or the United States or any of the free nations. Just the way it is. That's why none of these so-called news programs, none of them, show us the actual blueprint getting from A to B. All we hear is hysterics. It's an existential threat. We're running out of time. The oceans are rising. The oceans are, are falling. Look at this. It's hotter this record year than it was hotter the record year before and hotter the record year before that. Every time you break a sweat, there's supposedly some kind of record. Everybody wants to move to Florida. So when other parts of the country feel like Florida, you know, the, uh, the sky is falling. The same idiots... The same idiots have caused shortages of baby formula, shortages of gasoline, shortages of all kinds of food. The same people who can't control the supply chain. They know how to fix energy, ladies and gentlemen. They know how to get you energy, clean energy, clean. But windmills aren't clean. They need a backup system, batteries. We don't have batteries right now that have the capacity to back them up. If we did, they'd be massive, and they've had all kinds of toxic materials that are used to build them, and ultimately, they need fossil fuels to back them up. Fossil fuels to back them up. Imagine, we're all going to plug in our cars at night, too, and our trucks, and we're going to plug in the trains and everything else. To an electrical grid that can barely handle what's being done today. Well, how will we fix that? We can't. Not now. Recession. The people who brought us this recession are bringing us stagflation. And as I've said a thousand times before, if we're not careful, we'll be in a depression. I'm convinced if we have passed that 5 to $6 trillion insanity bill, the Biden insanity bill, we'd be in a depression right now. But they want to they want to rejigger it a bit and get at least another trillion or two in there, of which we do not have the money to pay for. Now, this is not just an incompetent administration. It is filled with liars and ideologues. They don't take credit for anything that they've done. The borders not secure, the borders wide open, fentanyl coming in, produced by communist China, pushed by the Mexican drug cartels. 110,000 young people mostly have died. It's the biggest killer of young people in our country, and we're told the border is safe and secure. How many rapes are taking place of women and little kids? Numbers aren't kept. Oh, I see. I see. How many people are being killed, both murdered and dying from natural causes, attempting to get across that border illegally? We don't know. Why? Numbers aren't being kept. 
Instead, we get a media in this country filled with losers like, the hell's his name? Oh, Jeremy Peters. Jeremy Peters, and he does. Jeremy does, Peter. Jeremy will be the subject of my next segment. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So yesterday, this will take me more than this segment, because it's a short segment. Minding my own business, and there is a big spread in the New York slimes by our friend Jeremy W. Peters. Haven't heard from him lately. We've heard from others. He's a proud employee of the New York Slimes, which which covered up the Holocaust, which promoted Stalin and promoted Castro. He's very concerned about me, is Mr. Peters. He's a stalker. He's also an incompetent boob and largely illiterate when it comes to the rule of law and the Constitution. And apparently there's a photo of Donald Trump and me at a Medal of Freedom event for former Attorney General Edwin Meese. And under the photo, the statement is the radio host Mark Levin with Donald J. Trump at a White House ceremony in 2019. Mr. Levin has scoffed at the notion that Mr. Trump has tried to overturn the election. Now, Mr. Levin has scoffed at the notion that Mr. Trump led an insurrection or created a crime. Right, so after the January 6th committee's final summer hearing last week, talk on the sets of CNN and MSNBC turned to an intriguing and familiar possibility about what might result from the panel's finding. I think he means findings. The case for a criminal prosecution of former President Donald J. Trump, many pundits said, was not only justified, but seemed more than likely given the evidence of his inaction as rioters sacked the Capitol. That's because, as he points out, he's a contributor to MSLSD, and that's the world they live in. There's many pundits who say no, but none of them are cited, of course. If that felt like deja vu, more predictions of Mr. Trump's looming downfall, the response to the hearings from the pro-Trump platforms felt like something new, reflecting the lengths to which his Praetorian guard... Isn't that funny how he steals that phrase from me, Mr. Producer? I mean, Shakespeare, too, but he steals it from me. Of friendly media have gone to rewrite the violent history of that day. Rewrite it. I haven't rewritten anything. I didn't say violence 
did not occur that day. But there's a perspective and there's a context. And there's an environment. They treat everybody who was there like some kind of a violent trespasser. That's not the case. Even as the committee's vivid depiction of Mr. Trump's failure to intervene led two influential outlets on the right, the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal, owned by the same corporation, I think, to announce him over the weekend. Many top conservative media personalities have continued to push a more sanitized narrative of January 6, 2021. They've turned the Capitol Police into villains and alleged the existence of a government plot to criminalize political dissent. I have never turned the Capitol Police into villains, period. And I'm not talking about a government plot to criminalize political dissent. The Democrats are, pol- are criminalizing political dissent in the areas of the government they control. There is simply no question about it. Mark Levin, the talk radio host, scoffed, ah, the word scoffed, at the notion that Mr. Trump had tried to overturn the election or instigate an insurrection. If he had, Mr. Levin explained during an appearance on Fox News, as other networks aired the hearings live, the former president would have taken more direct steps, such as ordering the arrest of Vice President Mike Pence or firing the Attorney General. I said, you'd think with all the talk of criminality, they would show us. There's nothing, absolutely zero evidence that Donald Trump was involved in an effort to violently overthrow our elections or government. Literally nothing. And there is nothing. Which is why even in this piece, Jeremy Peters presents nothing. And to put a finer point on exactly what he meant, Mr. Levin read from a section of the 14th Amendment. That says anyone who has engaged in insurrection or rebellion, quote unquote, is barred from holding federal office. That was why the media kept calling January 6th an insurrection, Mr. Levin explained. This writer of this article is an MSNBC contributor, which shows you what a hack he is. Part of the right's message to Trump supporters is, in effect, you may have initially recoiled in horror at what you thought happened on the Capitol, but you were misled by the mainstream media. I have never said that. What took place in the Capitol in the form of violence, attacking police, breaking windows, breaking down the door, and any of that stuff, I have condemned, I condemned when it happened, and I condemn it now. That has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about. And I'll get back to Jeremy W. Peters, who's not only an ideologue, he's an idiot. Stupid as they come. I'll be right back. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now 
L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. You're listening to Denali, the great one. The great one. And you can call in now, 877-381-3811. There's not much you can do, ladies and gentlemen, about a newspaper that is corrupt and a reporter who is corrupted illogically. There's not a lot you can do about it, but expose them. There's not a lot you can do about it, but expose them. So I will. Nowhere in this article does Jeremy Peters provide a scintilla of evidence. Nowhere. After all these hearings, after all the leaks to him, his coziness with radical members of the committee and never Trumpers, there's not five words in any form that demonstrate Donald Trump directed or ordered Great connections to a violent insurrection. Nothing. And yet they keep calling it an insurrection and keep trying to tie him to it. And just because they sit around a table at MSNBC and everybody knows what MSNBC is, nobody considers it a news operation, except perhaps the employees there and not even all of them. And they think it's, it's really quite fascinating as they, as they suggest possible ways to get Trump or dereliction of duty or he failed to act for three hours and seven minutes and so forth and so on. It's quite remarkable that this is what they do. This is all they have. And they absolutely control this process. The subpoenas, the depositions, what's released, what's not released, whether exculpatory information is allowed or not. It's really quite amazing. This is why Jeremy Peters is not considered a top reporter. He regurgitates, among other things. But he regurgitates. I'll give you another example. Here we have Newsweek. It's not really a magazine anymore. It's sort of a backbencher website. Somebody by the name of Julia Carbonaro. Josh Hawley's humiliation by January 6th committee unconstitutional, says Mark Levin. Of course, this is picked up by the reprobates, the 12-year-olds at Mediaite and other places. And so I said, okay. What exactly did Mark say? last night on Fox. I'm just demonstrating to you how this works. If they didn't think I was effective, if they didn't think that I was reaching tens of millions of you, if they didn't think the arguments were sensible, they wouldn't have to try and spin them and change them. Let's go to Cut 28, Mr. Producer, from last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Go. This January 6th hearing is not only illegitimate before, because of all the reasons I've talked about in the past, lack of opposition, exculpatory evidence, cross-examination, and on and on and on, but because Congress isn't supposed to be doing this. All these interviews that have been taking place that have been compelled by this committee, this one-sided committee, all those transcripts are eventually going to be turned over to the United States Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney's Office to be used against these individuals. Now, those interviews would not be taking place or it would be quite a different scenario 
if an ongoing criminal investigation, the U.S. Attorney's Office asked these individuals to provide depositions, their lawyers would tell them no. No, unless they could cut some kind of deal. All that's been thrown out the window. And you could tell by the latest hearing, the eighth hearing, primetime hearing that the media salivate over and slobber over, what a joke this is, how they tried to humiliate Senator Hawley. It's really not about January 6th, how the main witness about January 6th, Nancy Pelosi, has been effectively immunized by the committee, the members of whom she appoints and she had to approve. So you can take a look yourself. Article 1 provides no such authority, none, to the Congress of the United States. So everything that they're doing, everything that they're doing, which is openly and affirmatively criminal in nature is a violation of separation of powers. And separation of powers goes back to Montesquieu. Uh, you can see in the Federalist Papers, the uh, framers of the Constitution mentioned Montesquieu. So when you get these phony Republicans like King's Cheney going on and waving the Constitution around, well, they're not waving around our Constitution. Perhaps it's the 1934 Soviet Constitution, but it ain't ours. So there it is. And everybody heard this, even over at Newsweek and Mediaite. They even linked to it. But they don't listen to it. The Josh Hawley point and the Nancy Pelosi point were not the point. They were basically footnotes about what a joke this process was as to the constitutional issues. Never said their effort to humiliate Josh Hawley violated the Constitution. So again, this is what we're dealing with. Utterly stupid, low IQ ideologues who push their agenda and dress it up as, as news or even rational opinion. Julia Carbonaro is an idiot. Jeremy Peters is an idiot. And they both, to me, suggest that they are, you know, obsessive ideologues that are so filled with contempt and hate, they can't think freely. And this is part of the problem. So they disgrace themselves. They make asses out of yourself. And if you're going to take on somebody who has a bigger platform than the New York Times, and a bigger platform than this pathetic Newsweek website, and a bigger platform than Jeremy W. Peters, at least get your ducks in a row. Know what the hell you're talking about. I am more than happy to debate these issues, more than happy to debate the Constitution, more than happy to debate how this committee is conducting itself, more than happy to do that. But they're not. They're not. Jeremy Peters, has, have we invited him on this program before, Rich? I believe we have. But Jeremy, you're welcome to come on the program. Let's go toe to toe. I know I'm not MSNBC. I know you're much more comfortable over there. I got it. I understand that. But so what? I think you can handle it. You're a big boy, aren't you? Well, maybe not. Meanwhile, have you heard about this? January 6th defendant, Epic Times, dies by suicide while awaiting sentencing. This isn't the first one by Naveen Athropoli, July 23. 
A man from Pennsylvania awaiting his sentencing for illegally entering the U.S. Capitol during the January 6th breach died on July 20th. Mark R. Ongst, A-U-N-G-S-T, 47, of South Williamsport, was declared to have committed suicide by coroner Charles E. Kessling, Jr., according to Penn Live. A gas-filled well-service technician by trade, he's survived by his mother, a daughter, and three siblings. Now, what did he do? And I hope Jeremy's listening and all the other reprobates. On January 6, 2021, Onks traveled by bus to Washington to attend former President Donald Trump's Stop the Steal rally. He and a companion, co-defendant Tammy A. Bronsberg, joined other people in the march to the Capitol. In court, the prosecution presented evidence of Onks and Bronsberg entering the Capitol around 2.45 p.m. and leaving 30 seconds later. After 23 minutes, the duo once more entered the building, taking images and videos on their cell phones as they walked around the place and entered Senate Room 145. Bronson then posted a video she took while inside the Capitol on her Facebook account. That's what they did. The duo were charged with four counts, including a misdemeanor charge for parading or demonstrating inside a restricted building, disorderly conduct in a restricted building, entering and remaining in a restricted building, and disorderly conduct in a Capitol building. My guess is these two folks from South Williamsport, Pennsylvania, had no idea that they were committing a crime. Notice, no violence whatsoever. None. And depending on which part of the building you came in, in one part, people were waved in, and in another part, they broke in. There was no indication at all of any physical violence by these two. The last three counts were to be dismissed at the time of sentencing. For the misdemeanor charge, Angst and Bronsberg pleaded guilty, and this is what these prosecutors have been doing, throwing misdemeanors, even felonies at them to get one charge that they would plead guilty to. Ankh's sentencing was scheduled for September 27. If found guilty, he could have faced six months in prison and $5,000 in fines. The duo were both living free on personal recognizance. Neither had attacked any police officer while inside the Capitol. Neither. But he killed himself. By late June, around 840 individuals were arrested in connection with the January 6th incident. Over 300 had pleaded guilty with 80 receiving jail time. Many of those charged with crimes are still languishing in prisons. This is what bothers me, Jeremy. It's been two years. Well, not two years, but a year and a half. At a press conference on June 15, a group of Republican lawmakers blasted the way January 6th prisoners were being treated. Terming at the D.C. Gulag, they reported cases of prisoners being mistreated. Mistreated. 
Now, Jeremy and the New York Times have never gone to these prisons to find out exactly what's going on. They've never gone. They haven't gone once. Not once. They're too busy having circle fests around the table at MSNBC. Obsessed with me. Raising serious issues. I will not go along with the mob, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to do it. Not the media mob. Not their surrogates. Not the Democrat Party mob. Not the Never Trumper mob. Not the Rhino mob. I'm not going along with any mob. I call them as I see them. As I said last night on my show, I am a special pleader for the Constitution. No one else. Nothing else. It's that simple. Terrible. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I will tell you a little bit about what I was doing this weekend in the next hour, but I'm not done this hour. Liz Cheney went on with Brett Baer and lied through her increasingly yellow teeth. She lied. She denied. She said there's no evidence, no information that Donald Trump had authorized up to 20,000 National Guardsmen. And yet we have the former acting Secretary of Defense and the former Chief of Staff to the Secretary of Defense. We have Milley and we have others who were in the room when it was Donald Trump who raised the likely necessity or possible necessity of making those troops available. And they were turned down explicitly by Pelosi the cat, through the Capitol Police and by Bowser, the mayor of D.C. In this, there is no lie. In this, there is no question. In this, there is no doubt. But there's more. There's actually more. And it's pointed out by our friends at Just the News. What they point out is there's actually a memo. I'm looking for it, Mr. Producer. If you can find that, that Just the News piece, shoot it to me. He's sending it to me now. Oy, gavolt. Anyway, what they say is that it was Trump who was worried about security that day. I mean, none of this points towards an insurrection led by President Trump. None of it. And, that he, and he's worried about it not being a safe situation. 
He already suggested that perhaps the National Guard could be called up, but he can't call them up. He has to be asked for the National Guard, as you may recall. And apparently he did more than that. And this, too, has not been made part of the official record of this committee. Trump gave order, quote, to make sure, unquote, January 6th rally was safe event, Pentagon memo shows. General Milley's recollection undercuts months-long effort by Democrats, they write, to suggest Trump wanted to incite violence. Many key questions left unanswered. So why is it that the New York Times ignores this? This is firsthand evidence. It's material to the entire issue because it cuts against the narrative. Because Jeremy of the New York Times would no longer be working at MSLSD or the New York Slimes if he dared to speak the truth. He knows what the truth is. They all do. House Democrats, Marquis Summershaw, primetime investigative hearings, ended Thursday night where it began, unable or unwilling to answer essential questions about the January 6th Capitol breach. Chief among them, if Donald Trump wanted to incite violence that fateful day, as his critics suggest, then why did he order the Pentagon to have a large military force ready to quell a disturbance? And why did a Democrat-led Congress turn down the assistance of pop National Guard troops in the face of intelligence warnings and about violence? By their own admission, Democrats set up the hearings to evade such scrutiny. They declared any questions about what Speaker Pelosi knew about the potential January 6th violence and when she knew it off-limits. Secret Service agents were never called to testify in public about whether former President Trump aid Cassidy, whether her story was truthful, and it goes on. Now there's more. There's more that I want to get to on the return, and then I want to jump into a few other issues. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, All right. Let me continue this, complete the circle. This is from Just the News, a great news site, founded by and run ultimately by John Solomon. It says the hearings have been undercut by a fundamental fact. Trump's actions before the riot began included urging supporters to peacefully and patriotically express their opinions and ordering his top aides to ensure there was a large contingent of National Guard troops at the ready to ensure no trouble ensued. A Capitol Police timeline obtained by Justin News shows the Trump Pentagon first offered National Guard troops to the Capitol Police on January 2nd, four full days before the event. Jeremy doesn't put this in the New York Times piece. The police turned down the offer, but then began to have second thoughts. The Capitol Police then asked their political minders, the House Sergeant of Arms chief among them, for permission to accept the troops on January 4. 
but were turned down on the ground that such a show of force would create bad, quote-unquote, optics. The records show. But the most compelling piece of evidence that Trump wanted to thwart rather than incite violence is contained in a long memo written by the Pentagon Inspector General that chronicled the assistance the Department of Defense offered Congress both ahead of and during the riot. In it, the Inspector General recounts a fateful meeting on January 3rd in the White House with then Acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller and General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, met with Trump on national security matters. This was not in Jeremy's article in the New York Times either. The complete passage, hardly mentioned by Democrats at the hearings or the news media covering them, is worth absorbing in its entirety. Quote, this is the Inspector General. Mr. Miller and General Milley met with the president at the White House at 5.30 p.m., the IG reported. The primary topic they discussed was unrelated to the scheduled rally. General Milley told us that at the end of the meeting, the president told Mr. Miller, the acting defense secretary, that there would be a large number of protesters on January 6th, and Mr. Miller should ensure sufficient National Guard or soldiers would be there to make sure it was a safe event. That's from the president to the acting secretary of defense on January 3rd. General Milley told us that Mr. Miller responded, we've got a plan and we've got it covered. And the memo was attached in the article. Not by Jeremy over there at the New York Times, but at the Epic Times. In advance of the January 6th rally, the president told the most senior civilian and, uninf- and uh, uniformed leaders of the military he knew the event was going to draw a large number of protesters. So he instructed the Secretary of Defense to ensure it was safe by having troops available. Democrats have not offered any evidence whatsoever to counter that story, although Liz Cheney lied. She's good at that. The Pentagon memo also yields insight into the mindset of the Democrat-led Congress. Top military officials and the local police before January 6th. Key players, it reveals, repeatedly raised concerns about accepting the offer of the National Guard help. Fearing it would create the perception of a military coup or martial laws, the election results were certified. Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy told the Inspector General, quote, he didn't want to create the perception that the military was involved in the electoral process, unquote, according to the Inspector General's memo. He said that Mr. Miller made it clear that the military would not be involved in certifying the election results and that 10 different news agencies asked him about military use and martial law. Because the media had always wanted to be able to push the insurrection narrative. And unfortunately, the violence within the Capitol building gave them all they needed. And now they're trying to tie it to Trump. And they haven't yet. District of Columbia Police Chief Robert Conti also opposed having National Guard troops, but for a different reason. Quote, Chief Conti explained to us that he did not want other federal law enforcement involved on January 6th because of the risk associated with having unidentified federal officers carrying weapons within the District of Columbia, the memo read. Even as key security officials were shrinking from deploying National Guard troops, lest the optics send the wrong political message. The Capitol Police were being flooded by the FBI, the Marshal Service, Homeland Security Department, with raw intelligence warnings of possible violence. Just the news reported recently. 
See, this is the information that a committee is supposed to be looking at. Those intelligence reports, which started flowing more than two weeks before the riot, flagged online chatter about waging a bloody war, using nerve gas, concealing guns, burning down the Supreme Court, and specifically flagged two groups for possible trouble, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. Quote, right-wing extremists are talking about tunnels below the Capitol complex and the allegiances of the United States Capitol Police officers, Capitol Police intel expert John T. Nugent Jr. wrote in an email December 21 of 2020, sent to a distribution list of the Department's Intelligence and Interagency Coordination Division. Despite the warnings, the president's offer of troops was not accepted, and the Capitol Police did not take a security posture on January 6, commensurate with the threats. And to date, the House committee investigating January 6 hasn't provided a complete explanation as to why. And neither has Nancy Pelosi or Steny Hoyer or Chuck Schumer or Dick Durbin or Liz Cheney or Adam Kingsinger with the Democrat radical left-wing members of this committee. The New York Times has no curiosity. They'd rather write about me. It's okay. It's as if we're dealing all again with their cover-up of major stories. The Washington Compost has no interest under Fred Ryan. As you know, he is the CEO of the Washington Compost and the chairman of the Reagan Library. you think that would be a conflict of interest. But apparently not in Mr. Ryan's mind, such as it is. And so people say, why didn't Trump do anything? This demonstrates he lacks character. This demonstrates a dereliction of duty. This demonstrates he should never serve. And now there are even some rhino editorial writers, some of whom on editorial boards, I suppose. Wall Street Journal, National Review, and others. Donald Trump is not fit to be president. They don't mention any of this either when they write what they write, when they spew what they spew. Nothing. Zero. Why is that? Why is it that Liz Cheney goes on with Brett Barron lies through her teeth? about Trump authorizing National Guardsmen to be available should the Congress or the mayor ask for them. And to be even more specific about that, there are five witnesses to this, all of whom have given testimony. One of them has been on this program, Kash Patel. But the acting Secretary of Defense and Kash Patel both say it was at the end of the meeting with General Milley, with Kash Patel, with the Secretary of Defense and others. Where they were meeting about something else regarding national security and the president told them, hold on a second. What are we doing about January 6th? It was he who asked them. And it was he 
who suggested the authorization for National Guardsmen. Is there a single witness? Just one. One. Who has a contrary recollection? Not one. Every one of them in the Oval Office has said exactly the same thing. Which is why there's no contrary testimony provided by this committee. Which is why the testimony of each of these individuals has been concealed from the public. As well as the other efforts by this president to deal with or tamp down any violence or his administration. And if this committee is really looking into January 6th and what happened, how can it possibly be that it not only censors all of these details, but shows no curiosity, no interest whatsoever in finding out why Pelosi turned down protection, why the mayor of Washington turned down protection. Nothing. Why? For all the reasons I said, and all the reasons Jeremy at the New York Times lies about, because he's a phony and a fraud and a fake, and so are the rest. I'll be right back. Mark in. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest. I was nervous at first, thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Now I want you to hear this story. (laughs) Gets worse and worse. You wonder how it can get worse. It does get worse. And I dig these things out all weekend long starting right after the end of this show on a Friday night. And I will tell you about this weekend in a moment. Saturday, Sunday, all day, Monday, until my program. People say, when do you do your work? It never stops. Just the nature of the beast. Nature of the beast. And so I found another piece. Same publication, just the news. And I didn't know about this. I don't live in Georgia. I don't live in Atlanta. I didn't know about this. Judge disqualifies Fulton County DA from investigating alternate Trump elector. What's this about? A Superior Court judge today barred Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis 
from conducting a criminal investigation into Republican State Senator Burt Jones. It was on a list of alternate Georgia electors supporting President Donald Trump in the 2020 presidential election. So what she's done here with this special grand jury in Fulton County is she's turned it into a, in essence, U.S. Attorney's Office investigating criminality of obstructing an election. And the Supreme Court opened the door to this nonsense uh, about two years back. And so now you have these local elected DAs who are getting into the game, or in the case of New York, a state-elected attorney general who's a complete hack. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney ruled that D.A. Willis had a conflict of interest in investigating Jones after she held a fundraiser in June for his Democratic election opponent. Jones is seeking the state's lieutenant governorship in November. So she wants to drag this guy, State Senator Burt Jones, into her criminal investigation. He's running for lieutenant governor as a Republican. She held a fundraiser for his opponent. This, Jeremy, New York slimes, is what I mean about the criminalization of politics. Pay attention, pal. I'm educating you. The judge ruled that Willis had a conflict of interest. This scenario creates a plain and actual and untenable conflict, the judge wrote. Any decision the DA makes about Senator Jones in connection with the grand jury investigation is necessarily infected by it. What he means by that is politics. Reports revealed last week that 11 of the 16 members of the alternate slate of Trump electors have become targets in a criminal probe as part of Willis's investigation into the Trump campaign's efforts to challenge the presidential election results in the state. He is allowed to challenge the presidential so-called election results in the state, as are the Democrats. As are the Democrats. You don't criminalize the process. It's like what they did to Bannon. And I've talked about this many, many times already. You can't take from a defendant their defenses and then expend them to def- expect them to defend themselves. I don't care who appoints the judge, Trump or somebody else. The Department of Justice goes in the court. The Attorney General has his fingerprints on this because any high-profile political case, he's in the loop. I know that as a former chief of staff. And this federal judge stripped all but one of Bannon's defenses at the demand of the prosecution. Now, what most judges do in a normal situation outside of Washington, D.C., when you don't have the politicization of these judges, I don't care who appointed them. Is the error, quote-unquote, on the side of the defendant? What's the harm? So he calls a few members of the House of Representatives. So XYZ, ABC. That's why they didn't put up a defense, because they had no defense. They couldn't put up anything. The judge strips them of their defense arguments 
places him in front of a jury, picked from a jury pool, made up of a city that is 92% Democrat, gives the government virtually every motion at once, and then says, go defend yourself. Go defend yourself. On top of, that, top of this, Tulsi Gabbard, who I'm having to, having to start to like a significant amount, may I say, more and more, more and more, as she t- turns increasingly principled and conservative, Tulsi Gabbard. She pointed out, wait a minute. Clapper lied in front of Congress. Who was the other clown? I can't remember his name. You remember who I mean? Brennan. Brennan lied in front of Congress. Neither of them was charged with anything. And they're not alone. Holder was charged with contempt by Congress. He lied about a life and death matter. His own Justice Department, because he was the Attorney General, well, of course, the Deputy Attorney General, serving as the Acting Attorney General in his stead, they decided not to charge him. So this isn't, may I say, equity. This isn't justice. This is a sham. Jeremy, do you understand what a sham is over there at the New York Slimes? We have no hope for this clown at Newsweek. He can't even listen to a show or an audio and get it straight. But Jeremy, you work for the detestable New York Times Corporation that lied about the Holocaust, that had Stalin's man in Moscow, and Castro's man in the jungles. That newspaper. I'll be right back. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. If you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. Let's see if these so-called conservative writers and so-called conservative news outlets and so-called conservative editorial boards are going to mention anything we've discussed. Anything. I'll bet you nickel they don't. Because they're now way out on a limb. And they have their own narratives. The truth is they support different candidates for the Republican nomination of president. As I said, I'm a special pleader for the Constitution. But that's exactly what's going on here. 
I remember when they supported Chris Christie. What a joke. What a joke. I also want to give some very friendly advice to Mike Pence, and I consider Mike Pence a friend, by the way. Stop listening to people who are telling you that the way to get to the Oval Office is by taking shots at Trump. It's not going to work. I'm just telling you, it's not going to work. Run your own campaign. Do your own thing. That's what I would do. Run your own campaign. Do your own thing. Because there may be a lot of people you're running against. Some of whom have very, very strong backgrounds and credentials. So don't get caught up in the obsession. Just my personal observation. I don't know if Mark Short's giving you this advice or somebody else, but I, I wouldn't get all that dirt under my fingernails getting into the, that kind of a fight. I just wouldn't. I don't think any of the candidates should. They should run on their own credentials, their own experience, their own policy beliefs. And don't let the media, even the pseudo-conservative media, the never-Trump media, and of course the corrupt media, don't let them prod you or nudge you into a fight. That serves no purpose other than to elect a Democrat. So that's my view. Just my personal advice. So uh, this weekend, well, let me start this. Several months ago, uh, Governor DeSantis asked me, because now I'm a resident of Florida, would I be willing to moderate a couple of debates in these, they've got four new congressional districts, and uh, he did not want the corrupt corporate media conducting the debates for a Republican primary in these various districts for them. And I said, yes, I'd be willing to do that. We need conservatives. And he said, I want you to be a moderator. I want you to be a moderator from a conservative perspective, your normal perspective. I said, absolutely. And I didn't want to make the debates about me. So maybe this was three months ago, two and a I don't remember. I had forgotten about it, mostly. He circled back. They asked again. I said, yes, I committed to it, and I will do it. And I wanted to do it. I wanted to show, and he wanted to show, more importantly, that we can do this. That we, we don't need Chris Wallace types or Jim Acosta types or any of the phony frauds and reprobates in the media. We don't need pretend journalists like Jeremy Peters and his ilk. Philip Bump, Sarah Rump. (laughs) We got Rumps, we got Peters, we got all kinds of things, Mr. Producer. But anyway, and so I tried to do it in a way that would demonstrate that, yes, we conservatives, we can handle this and we can handle it well, and we did. So I took the first two debates as a moderator, the governor sat with me too, and he asked questions too, very good questions. And they were relative, they were specific to try and, and pull information from the candidates 
And many of them had to deal with, we know you talk a good game about conservatism, but a lot of people get to Washington and then they, you know, they, they, they conduct themselves otherwise. And we wanted to do the best we could to nail that down. And the second two debates were moderated by great friends and conservative hosts as well. It's always good to see uh, so many good conservatives there. I wish I had time to take pictures with everybody. I tried my best. I wish I had time to sign everything, but that becomes overwhelming. It was a massive audience. Massive. Which is very exciting to me, because then you see how enthusiastic people are. And uh, in a dinner that night, um, there were several outstanding speeches. Outstanding speech by Marco Rubio. Outstanding speech by the lieutenant governor. And the killer speech was by DeSantis himself. So it was a very unifying event. Very unifying event. The focus was on November of 2022, not November of 2024 in any way. Um, The goal was to do the very best that could be done that day. In November, <clears throat> but my goal, I didn't endorse any candidates and campaign for any candidates, was to moderate the two debates with the governor by my side. And I thought, from my own myopic perspective, it couldn't have gone better. There was a little heat here and there, but so what? Everybody was civil, and any one of these people who were on the stage for either of those congressional seats would be a superb member of Congress. Superb. And they need to beat the Democrats. That's my view. But absolutely superb. So I was there. My wife, Julie. My mother-in-law, Sylvia. Stepson, David. Of course, we call all of our kids sons and daughters. And um, just fantastic. So I wanted to mention that. I know the uh, the other event was taking place. Uh, where was it, Miss Tampa? Is that right? With Charlie Kirk's group, Turning Point. Uh, but I had agreed to this months and months ago. <clears throat> Besides, I wasn't even invited to Turning Point, so I couldn't go anyway. But Charlie knows I don't even. Folks, I don't go to a lot of these things. But I really wanted to see if we could moderate, if I could moderate, if we could pull this off. And we can. And we can do the presidential debates. And we can do all the debates. That's what we learned in Hollywood, Florida this weekend. And I think that was demonstrated by DeSantis and his people. I really do. And so... uh so we had a great time. We took care of business. There were a lot of great people. And I met, and you know, I, I hesitate to bring up one or two, but a few folks I didn't know. I finally met my buddy Dave Rubin. He is a great, great guy. And you know what? He's a fantastic spokesman for liberty. Fantastic. And I met Clay Travis. Mr. Purdue, he was sitting right behind me. I don't see great. I, have, I wear my glasses for distance, and so I can't see what's going on. My wife 
mention it. And we spoke pre another great guy. Great guy. Looking around for Bongino. I don't see my guy Bongino. I don't know. But anyway, there were plenty of people there. I just couldn't meet them all. But I want to thank them all. Oh, Schlichter was there. He's another great guy. Here's a book out, Mr. Producer. We need to bring him on. Kurt. I really love his writing style. And he's solid as a rock. And there's so many people like that we have on our side, folks. We have the brains. We have the talent. We have the character. And we have the, the young people with the charisma and the intelligence. We really do. Which is why the other side resorts to violence and we resort to speech. I'll be right back. Mark in. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. By the way, my buddy Charlie Kirk will be on the program next hour. I love this guy. Always have. Years and years ago, when he was forming his organization and out there in the college camp, I... I really did, uh, I did notice him, didn't I, Mr. Producer? I said, this is a good guy. Same with Ben Shapiro, by the way. I couldn't be happier with these guys. It's important that we have these guys, these young guys out there duking it out. I'm getting old, for God's sakes. And Bongino. Good man. Good man. They're all good people. We're very, very lucky. We are. We've got a lot of very, very good people. Couldn't be happier about that. There is a piece, you know, Charles Gasparino is a superb reporter. Superb reporter. I remember when he used to write for the Wall Street Journal. But he's been dogging this Nancy and Paul Pelosi. They're trading large with a wealth of hypocrisy. And he points out the Democrats have carved out quite a niche for themselves as the party that have nots, even if it's mostly a hypocritical marketing ploy. Bernie Sanders, the socialist, lives a pretty non-socialist life with a townhouse, a vacation home, all the comforts of the bourgeoisie, while he claims to champion the proletariat. See, that's a smart sentence. Uh, Jeremy uh, Peters couldn't write a sentence like that. There is no shortage of similar examples. Recall the late Massachusetts senator, liberal icon, Teddy Kennedy's support of forced busing while sending his kids to private school back in the 70s. The latest of these, freedom for me but not for the hypocrisies, involves the matter of Paul Pelosi. 
you know, Nancy's hubby. Paul Pelosi's been killing it in the stock market in recent years, according to disclosure forms, for reasons that could well go beyond some innate ability to sense swings in the markets. Guy's a drunk. He doesn't sense anything, including when to stop drinking. His latest home run, snapping up. Uh, what's there? Snapping up, it moved between 1 million and 5 million in shares of con- computer chip darling NVIDIA by exercising call options on June 17, according to disclosure documents. His timing, once again, was impeccable. He executed the trades as Congress moves closer to passing tens of billions of dollars in corporate welfare subsidies for U.S. semiconductor production. That's good news for NVIDIA and shareholders like Paul Pelosi. Since his bet, shares have risen nearly 10%. By my math, he could have pocketed a quick half a million. Maybe Paul knows a thing or two about stock trading, or maybe he's just a savant like Hillary Clinton, who years ago credited a reading of the Wall Street Journal with being able to make big bucks trading esoteric cattle futures. One problem with giving Paul Pelosi the benefit of the doubt is that Enough of his winners involve companies that appear to have been benefiting from legislation that his wife, you know, Nancy, Eva Pelosi, has had a hand in. They've been married for going on 59 years. He's been at her side during her rise to the pinnacle of the Democratic Party leadership. She certainly benefited from his career as a successful Silicon Valley investor. The reason we know about Pelosi's market prowess is because members of Congress are required to disclose these investments. And since he's been married to Nancy, his trades under the disclosure of the rules are her trades. Explains why Nancy Pelosi is one of the richest members of Congress with an estimated net worth of more than $100 million, on an annual salary of 200000 They have a vineyard in Tony Napa Valley, plus many of the perks of wealth and status. She represents the dysfunctional congressional district in and around San Fran, which means she's regularly attacking wealth and creator, wealth creators with virtue signaling about the poor and the downtrodden and remain so under her watch. It's limousine liberalism on steroids. That's why I call it Mercedes Marxism. Happily for them, their allegiance to lefty politics somehow stops when it comes to business involving Paul. He's a longtime venture capitalist. Where Nancy, where's Nancy on eliminating that controversial anti-progressive venture capitalist tax break? known as the carried interest deduction, which gives favorable tax treatment to him and other gazillionaires. She's missing in action. Where is she on making sure members of Congress or their spouses can't benefit from an information edge? Nowhere. Nancy's a born-again capitalist. She and her hubby should be able to participate in that, she said last year when asked about her hubby's trading. Insider trading or trading stocks on material, non-public information is a crime, of course. Recent legislation puts people use information they learned based on their position in Congress in the same slimy bucket. So what do we need here? A special counsel investigation. We won't get one because the crooked attorney general of the United States. What do we need here? We need a hearing. A hearing by the Democrats in the House and the Senate. That won't happen because they're corrupt. They're crooked. What do we need here? We need the last 10 years of Paul and Nancy Pelosi's tax returns. These financial disclosures aren't enough. The Speaker of the House, the loudmouth of the House, and her drunko husband, well, 
He makes money. She controls the legislation. Now, you've got more of a predicate there than you've ever had with anybody else, especially Trump. Sure, they'll investigate it after they're done investigating the Biden crime family and the millions and millions of dollars that have rolled into that family. I'm waiting, waiting for Jeremy Peters of the New York Slimes to break a story somewhere, somehow, that involves a Democrat. But Jeremy Peters, excuse me, Jeremy W. Peters, not to be confused with any other Jeremy Peters, Jeremy Peters, Sarah Rump, Philip Bump, nothing. Instead, they transcribe what I say on the radio and on TV and then put stupid headlines on it. And they actually get paid to do that. I shall return. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution. Against all freedom-loving Americans. So, you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Hello, 877-381-3811. Charlie Kirk will be here in about 12 minutes, give or take. Good man. A recession. The montage of the flashback during the Trump administration, the media accidentally destroyed Biden's attempt to redefine a reset. Let's take a listen, our friends at Newsbusters. Cut one, go. Thursday, that first reading of second quarter GDP, there's a possibility this is a negative number. Two consecutive quarters of, of negative growth. The definition of a recession is a decline in output for two consecutive quarters or about six months. A recession is just two consecutive quarters of economic decline. When we talk about the possibility of a recession, what is a recession? A recession is two consecutive quarters. Of two consecutive quarters. Two consecutive quarters. Two consecutive quarters of declining GDP. Because as you know, it's two consecutive consecutive quarters of down GDP. That signals it is actually a definition of a recession. I mean, the most common definition of a recession, two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Even if we don't have two consecutive quarters of negative growth, we might have one quarter of growth so deep that it's classified as a recession. Oh. Two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Of course, the phrase negative growth is oxymoronic. 
right? But anyway, it should be two consecutive quarters of no growth. But that's okay. We're in the negative territory, and it's going to happen again. And so the Biden administration has a fix for recession. Redefine it. And so they send out this slug, Brian Deese, Biden's economic advisor, and he's on the Constipated News Network today. And he's asked by John Berman. Go, cut to. It sounds like you're anticipating what will be comments from some saying two quarters of negative growth in a row, that's a recession. Right, and certainly the, in terms of the technical definition, it's not a recession. The technical oh. definition. Now they tell us, Mr. Producer. In terms of the technical definition, it's not a recession. I thought it was the technical definition making it a recession. But no, ladies and gentlemen, Washington, D.C. has news for the entire country. No recession. Yay, it's not a recession. We're redefining it. It's massive economic growth and opportunity. Yay, yes. Just get into the manufacturing of propeller hats and battery warmed socks and stuff like that. And you'll be in a robust, massive growth economy. It's not a recession. It's only a recession when Republicans are in office. There can be no recession when Democrats are in office. There can be no recession. There can be no inflation, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you understand? No recession, no inflation, no women, no nothing. The Democrats are in control. It's the greatest thing. And if you don't agree with them, you're obviously a white supremacist anyway. Go ahead. Spectrum uh, of data points. But in practical terms, what matters to the American people is whether they have a little economic breathing room, they have more job opportunities, their wages are going up. That has been Joe Biden's focus since coming into office. No, Joe Biden's focus has been none of that. His focus has been trying to figure out where the bathroom is. If he left his teeth next to the table or in the bedroom, should he have soft oatmeal or cream of wheat for breakfast? Should he take a softener? Should he, you, you understand. Now, not to be crude, Joe Biden's focus every morning is, you know what it is, Mr. Producer? Should I say it? It's a bowel movement. Go ahead. Has had a view of the economy that we need to look to build from the bottom up and middle out. And what that means is that. Oh, typical- we're building from the bottom up. I told you. Bowel movement. We're building from the bottom up and the middle out. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to be there for that. No. Not for that. Go ahead. As people in this country have had trouble affording things for years. Ah, shut up, you idiot. You propagandist. You moron. The economic advisor. Should he even get a job after this administration's over? And I, I go to the supermarket and the grocery store. What's the difference? I've always considered a supermarket a big grocery store. It doesn't matter. I always go by the baby formula section. And I'm telling you now, the shelves are 95% empty. 
in every place I go. I go from one to the other to the other. 95% empty. You notice it's not even a news story anymore. But don't worry. They're going to provide us with an abundance of clean energy. Look at them. John Kerry's going to do it. Joe Biden's going to do it. Nancy Pelosi's going to do it. These are enfeebled, stupid people who've never done a damn thing in the private sector. Kerry's uh, married into wealth twice. Biden has been bought and paid for more than once by foreign entities. Pelosi's husband, obviously, look at what's going on there. They're not going to provide you with anything. They're going to make out like bandits. Bandits. They're going to be supported by the likes of Jeremy Peters. And all Peters, may I say, Mr. But I think Peters, generally. Peters, the, the Peters and their ilk, may I say. Look around you. Who do the Peters support, Mr. Producer? Who do the Peters support? They support the Democrats. So many Peters do, ladies and gentlemen. So many Peters do. It's a sad thing. It's actually quite sickening. And by the way, these Peters, let me say something about these Peters. Jeremy Peters and other Peters out there. Let me say something. No, I better not say that. It's not a podcast. It's actually radio. Now, remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember what I said. Only Republicans. What is a recession? Two consecutive quarters of contracting economy. Under the Democrats, it's an exploding economy filled with opportunity and wealth. See, that's simple. And I don't even need a biologist to explain it to me. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Charlie Kirk is a patriot, solid conservative, and has done a tremendous job for this country, particularly with young people, and that's very, very important. He's now written a book, The College Scam, How America's Universities Are Bankrupting and Brainwashing Away the Future of America's Youth. And by the way, you can get a copy of this book, which comes out tomorrow at collegescam.com. We have a brand new site for you to go to to get it collegescam.com one word it's on all of our platforms charlie how are you my friend i'm doing great mark thank you so much and thanks for having me it's an exciting week for us and been working on this book for a while so thank you you've been working on this book for a while and nobody knows more about colleges and their scams than you so what drove you to write this book to get into it deeply to get into the substance to make the american people aware about how they're getting ripped off what yeah, so partly I've lived many of the main themes of this book. In some ways, I'm the best and worst person to write this book because I didn't go to college myself and, you know, have made some things happen. And in some ways, the worst person, because some people would say, you know, you don't really know what you're talking about because you didn't go to college yourself. I think I've made up for that adequately with the work we're doing at Turning Point USA and all of our 
college and high school groups across the country. But it's about time that we as conservatives level the same amount of criticism that we put towards the media, towards college campuses. Uh, And not just the campuses themselves, but the actual college institution. I believe higher education in colleges are no better than the Mexican drug cartel for the damage that they put forward, whether these bad ideas of wokeism and indoctrination, the astronomical cost, the subsidies from U.S. taxpayers. So what I do in this book, and it took me a couple of years to put the research together, we have over 30 pages of footnotes at the end of the book, The College Scam, is I am basically a prosecutor, something you know very you know intimately, Mark, in this book, and the reader is the jury. And I understand a lot of people are apprehensive and skeptical when I make this kind of argument because there is a built-in expectation amongst a lot of people that you must go to college to succeed, that you must get that piece of paper. And I try to smash that consensus in this book. I obviously recognize the, you know, uh, the, cave- the, the caveats, I guess you could say, of a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, but a vast majority of people that go to college are not studying that. So a couple statistics, too, that I think will stand up for your audience. The first of which is 40% of people that enroll in college drop out, 40%. So, Mark, if I said, you know, let's go to the local restaurant um, and have dinner, but you might have a 40% chance of getting food poisoning, you'd say, Mm -hmm. how's that restaurant still in business? And secondly, over 42% of students that end up graduating, actually getting a degree, they end up getting a job in a separate field that either does not require a college degree or has no applicability to what they actually studied. And so, meanwhile, you have an entire generation that is going tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt to be fed these garbage ideas. And so that's a short summary. We go to all together at thecollegescam.com. And yes, I am as bold to say in this book that I think that most kids should not go to college. And I, I really agree with you, unless they go into one of the hard sciences or something, because you're exactly mm-hmm. right. What exactly are they being taught except to oppose everything their parents have taught them, everything their faith has shown them, everything their country believes in. You have these tenured Marxist professors who are enshrined forever. You have these administration uh, rules um, uh, on rape, which are really quite appalling. You're guilty until proven innocent. I mean, it's got all the all the attributes of the Soviet Union, right? That, that's exactly right. And the Hillsdale College would be the only exception to that that I could think of. On top of my head, they're wonderful, and I know you do a lot of stuff with them too, Mark. But the 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 impact that colleges have on the broader society is enormous. For example, almost every bad idea that you now see in mainstream society, such as men can become women or men can become pregnant or any of these garbage ideas, they are first authored and they are perfected on these university campuses by these professors. And many upper middle class parents believe that it's this rite of passage, that I'm a success as a parent if my son or daughter gets to go to Yale or Princeton or Stanford or University of Pennsylvania or even a state school like University of Tennessee. And I could say from personal experience of over a decade, most parents have no idea what they're doing when they send their kids to college. In fact, when they send their kid to college, they very well are playing Russian roulette with their child's values, that you have no idea how it's going to end up. In fact, they might come back unrecognizable. When I meet a lot of our donors at Turning Point USA and they say, you know, I got three kids and two are liberal, one's a conservative. My initial question is always, oh, where'd they go to college? 
And they say, you know what? You're right. They left home as a conservative and they came back as a far left winger. And you want to know one of the reasons why America is becoming less free, especially in our metropolitan cities? The oversupply of people going to college, not learning anything, but being filled with bad ideas, I believe, is the culprit. They really have become, haven't they, Charlie Kirk, indoctrination camps that are overpriced, heavily subsidized, and yet are really churning out young radical Democrats and Marxists. So that's why they're never under the gun when it comes to congressional hearings about tuition and so forth. That's why they want to, you know, uh, take care of uh, all these college loans. That's why they want more and more children to wind up going to college. Isn't that it? That's right. Yeah, and it's all part of a cartel. It's a multi-trillion dollar business that looks after one another where they try to get as many young people as possible, which, of course, turns them into future Democrat voters. And then all the other, let's say, implications involved in that, they become radical environmental activists. They become radical abortion activists. And then, of course, the U.S. taxpayer, for whatever reason, has to be on the hook on it. And so you see over multiple generations and multiple decades the implications of this, which is you are then dealing with a completely different country, literally. And we know what the Marxists want to do. I mean, you wrote the book on it, Mark, American Marxism. It's well known. But where is the heartbeat? Where is the center? The center of American university. And so I try to be proactive and solution oriented uh, in, our, in our, the book, The College Scam. People can find it at collegescam.com, which is, I believe, red states need to completely and totally defund Every university, state university, outside of the science, technology, engineering, and math. No more humanities, no more gender studies. Taxpayers should not be on the hook. It's not going to happen in Congress anytime soon. But as far as the states go, why should North Dakota, why should South Dakota, why should Montana or Kansas, why should those amazing taxpayers be funding for ideas and practices that will actually be detrimental to the land that they love? It is academic suicide what is happening and what i really am trying to give parents and students courage to say you know what no i'm not going to college i'm willing to pursue a different path you know america charlie kirk's been blowing the whistle a long time long before covid when people were looking over the shoulders of their young children and seeing what was going on in their classrooms starts in these colleges and universities works its way down to the uh, middle schools and now the elementary schools and it's even more than this. It's a great book. Charlie never disappoints. It's called College Scam. I want you to go to collegescam.com, not Amazon, collegescam.com. It's uh, it's linked to in all of my, my uh, platforms, collegescam.com. Charlie, I'd like you to hang on for another segment. Can you do that? Be happy to, yes. Because, ladies and gentlemen, other things are going on on our college campus. The promotion of anti-Semitism, the promotion of racism, the squelching of free speech. And I want Charlie to talk about it. Charlie is the number one expert in the country and on this subject. We'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer 
Woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Our buddy Charlie, and by the way, Charlie Kirk, you are as smart or smarter than any college graduate I know, so obviously it didn't affect Very you. Kind. And I knew another guy like that. His name was Rush Limbaugh, you know. And uh, the book is called The College Scam. It is a tremendous book. Those of you who have kids in college, kids going to college, those of you who are sitting at the Thanksgiving Day night uh, table and you're going, what the hell happened to my kid? Charlie's going to explain the whole thing to you. And he's going to try and protect you and your family from what's taking place. You are paying for the destruction of your own family in the country. We're subsidizing it directly. We're subsidizing it through our taxes. You have no say in what goes on in these colleges and universities. It's called The College Scam. It's a very, very important book. Go to collegescam.com. So, Charlie, there's a lot of other stuff going on in these college campuses, too, oh, yeah. really, that 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 uh, certain types of people, depending on what they look like, depending on their beliefs, are treated pretty lousy, aren't they? Yeah, let's just do a couple examples. A whole chapter of the book, which I'll kind of share with you exclusively here, Mark, I haven't talked about it. Yet publicly, we have a whole chapter about foreign influence on college campuses. For example, the Saudis, the Qataris, all these different foreign actors are bringing in tens of millions of dollars to these college campuses, and it fosters and breeds a culture of anti-Semitism. If some of your biggest donors are major Arab nations, then why on earth you know, would you try to shut down some of this anti-Semitic behavior? And the king of them all, though, of course, is the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, if you look at foreign infiltration, otherwise through the Confucius Institutes, and we talk about it in great detail, in the college scam of, of how they were able to build these basically military installations on these college campuses that in any other world, we would think this would be totally insane to allow our greatest enemy, the Chinese Communist Party, to be able to build surveillance data centers. Why do they need a data center on a college campus? if they're doing anything less than spying on our students. And so we have a whole chapter on foreign infiltration. And then we have a chapter, and, you know, look, we follow the great lead of James Lindsay and Christopher Rufo and their research and their scholarship on this. But I take a little bit different tact of explaining how it applies in the everyday classroom of queer theory and critical race theory and post-structuralism and post-modernism. And then I make the argument that actually the oversupply of academics hurts our politics as well. You know, the only person ever to have a PhD uh, to serve as United States president is Woodrow Wilson, who I believe might be the worst president in American history. And that actually, yeah. I don't know, Joe Biden might be giving a run for his money. Yeah. But Woodrow Wilson was the first American president to outright 
outright declare a philosophical war on the American founding. Uh, he was a German histor- a historicist, a Hegelian, who believed that mm-hmm. we must use the syn- synthesis of marching through time to destroy the American fabric. That's what the universities produced. And they gave us people like John Dewey and Darwin and all of these people that laid the philosophical foundation. Uh, Kinsey as well, who talked a lot about going after American children. But you look at Woodrow Wilson and you look at the kind of process of progress that he started 100 years ago, this idea of centralized administration, over-the-top bureaucracy, the council of experts, you know, as uh, Barack Obama would have his his experts around the table and say that we, the philosopher kings, know what's best from you. All of this is centered around the credentialing of academia. They have no credibility if it's not for the piece of paper from some very difficult school to get into. They need to keep it exclusive. They need to keep it out of touch. They need to try to keep it as if it's something sacred. But guess what? Their power disappears if we stop sending our children and our donations and our taxpayer funding to those very same institutions. How did we get to the point, and you explain this, we've talked about it, but how, do we, how did we get to the point where our universities and colleges have been turned against us? Yeah, and one of the main ways we got there, Mark, and I hate to be so blunt, is we let it happen. Uh, I think a lot of parents thought very highly of the idea of higher education. Uh, they wanted their kids to try to get the piece of paper from the best university possible. I dare to say in the book, and I'm very careful the way I make the argument, there is a lot of parents' ego involved in the push to try to get the kids to go to the best school possible, where you're almost deemed to be a failure as a parent if your kid becomes a plumber, electrician, or a welder, or works in the muscular class in America. Or, as I put it in the book, they try to they want to get their kid in the protected class and not in the unprotected class. And because of this, I think a lot of parents were willing to turn a blind eye on the outright indoctrination. And really in the last decade, and Mark, you've played a big role in this, and President Donald Trump played a big role in this, and many others, there has been a drumbeat, and we've done our best at Turning Point USA, to expose these campuses. And I do believe there has been a significant amount of progress in this regard. The majority of people in the conservative base are now resonating with this topic. They want to try to purchase the book. You know, they want to learn more about it. But there still is a little bit of skepticism. They say, well, Charlie, how am I supposed to get a job? How am I supposed to navigate, you know, the difficult you know, corporate setting or all this. And we give solutions to that in the book. I won't go into too much detail that now, but let me just say this to any parent listening. It's better for your child not to go to college and have to work a little harder to get a job than for them to go to college, lose their soul, hate their country, and lose their purpose. That is a devil's bargain that too many upper middle class families have been doing. Beautifully said, and to pay for it to boot. So um, again, mm-hmm. the book is The College Scam, America's universities are bankrupting and brainwashing away the future of America's youth. I want to strongly encourage you to go to collegescam.com. An entire beautiful website has been built for you. Collegescam.com. You really ought to get at least two, one for yourself and one for a child, if you have a child or a grandchild. And also, if they're going to college and university now or they're planning on going, so they have something to fight back with, or you have something to balance out what they're going through. Don't you think that's important, Charlie? Oh, absolutely. And one of the goals I'm trying to have to make forward in this book is first, I'm trying to give people permission to be able to answer the question. And I'll be honest, when I first, when I first graduated high school, 
I would kind of be very sheepish in the way I answered the question when people would say, oh, Charlie, where did you go to college? They just assumed you went to college, you had any form of success. And I used to kind of, oh, well, you know, I just, I just, now I just say it boldly. I didn't go to college. And that's okay. Mark, we have to be able to accept people, in fact, elevate people just because they didn't get the piece of paper. What does it say when we go to a high school kid and we say, hey, where are you going to school? Not why are you going to school? The why is far more important than the where. This rite of passage right into the Marxist indoctrination camp plays into every aspect. I had a parent come up to me at our Turning Point USA Student Action Summit this weekend and challenge me and say, Charlie, I want my kid to go to college. I think it's great. I said, okay. And she was wearing a CNN suck shirt. I said, would you send your kid to CNN for four years to go learn from uh, Jim Acosta and from Anderson Mm -hmm. Cooper? Oh, no, of course not. I said, well, when you send them to campuses, that's it's even worse. It is their job, they're experts, and they're good at turning your kids against you. You know, in the Ten Commandments, there's only one of the commandments that comes with a promise and involves our nation, which is honor your mother and father so you may live long in the nation of which you are in. And so what the universities do is to go directly after the commandment to, to make sure a parent and child's relationship is strong. They're there to disrupt and confuse the passing down of values from one generation to the other, the creation of new values, literally the creation of a new man. They talked about this, John Dewey did, uh, in, when he was setting up the American education system, and higher education is only an extension of that. And parents, I'm saying this as bluntly as I can, you send your kid to college, you are handing over your kid to academic predators that will do their best. In fact, they're really good at it to turn your kids into something they're not. And then, by the way, it's not like it's easy. Your child might graduate with $100,000 to boot around it, and we know what happens after that. Again, I want to thank you for your service to the country, for battling on these uh, in these areas where people have not battled enough. And uh, the book is collegescam.com. College scam, excuse me, the book is College Scam, and go to collegescam.com, collegescam.com. The website's been built for you. Now, if you happen to be at Amazon, it's over there, too. Uh, So I'm not saying that you shouldn't get it. I'm saying you should get it and get as many as you can and hand them out like popcorn because it's very, very important. Collegescam.com. Charlie, I want to thank you, my friend, and good luck on this. It's important for the entire country. Thank you, Mark. You have a great one. Grew up listening to you. Uh, one of the reasons I didn't go to college just was start, start Turning Point USA. You were a big influence on me. You know that, but it's worthy of repeating. And thank you for letting us share. We really appreciate well, it. Well, you're you. very, very gracious. And God bless you, my friend. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Isn't he terrific? Yes, he is terrific. What'd you say, Mr. Producer? Oh, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Grab the book, folks. The College Scam. Go to collegescam.com. You know, the way we push back is first to inform ourselves and then take action. Form our children and grandchildren. We got to get back into this fight, the culture wars. We got to get back into this fight at the education level, all levels. This is how you do it. No matter how much. The, excuse me, it's just cholera, don't worry. No matter how much the Marxists try to divide us, there's no question that we are actually living in a special time of unity in some ways. 
This is what the Democrat Party does. The Democrat Party is evil. It's hateful. This is a mailing that goes out from, it's called Jewish Dems. Jewish Dems. JewishDems.org. On Saturday, Nazis in Florida displayed swastikas, Nazi salutes, and anti-Semitic signs outside a convention for the far-right and Trump-aligned organization Turning Point USA. You just heard, Charlie. Republican leaders, including Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, who both spoke at the convention, have spent years emboldening white supremacy and Jew hatred. This is from Democrats. Now Nazis are openly rallying in our streets. Unsurprisingly, Republican candidates are following suit by campaigning directly to extremists and anti-Semites. And they go on. And then they want donations. Sincerely, Samuel J. Crystal, Communications Director and Spokesperson, Jewish Democratic Council of America, Washington, D.C. This is a radical left, in my opinion, commie group that does grave damage, grave damage to the causes of liberty, does grave damage to the state of Israel and to Jews generally. Those people, those thugs, those slugs, that slime appeared at Turning Point USA to draw attention to themselves, to draw attention from the media. Many of them were plants. This is what I've heard. Now, Donald Trump, as president of the United States, did more for the Jewish state of Israel than any president in American history since the founding of Israel. More for the Jewish state of Israel than any president in modern history than any president since the establishment of the state of Israel. Governor DeSantis is the most pro-Israel governor in the entire United States. Even more than the Jewish members of the Senate and Jewish governors like the governor of Colorado. And so they target the most Israel-friendly top Republican politicians and claim that they draw white supremacists, promote anti-Semitism and Jew hatred. This from a Democrat party that endorses Palestinian terrorists. This from a Democrat party that subsidizes Palestinian terrorists. This from a Democrat party who has undermined all the peace deals and agreements and progress that had been made in by the prior administration. This from a Democrat party that is filled with anti-Semi-bigots, both in Congress and in the media. And this is what they send out. Slimeballs. Slimeball. I'm waiting for the Anti-Defamation League to denounce Samuel J. Crystal communications director and spokesperson for the Jewish Democratic Council of America. You're a puke, you jerk. You're a jerk. A rat fink. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, and the men and women in Ukraine. And we will join together tomorrow, right here, same time, same place. God bless each and every one of you.